Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it. Because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, so we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like Now... To your hosts. All right, Red Sox fans, Red Sox beat CLNS Radio. Of course, CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage of New England professional sports. Of course, you know you can follow CLNS on social media at CLNS Radio on Twitter. Search CLNS fans on Facebook. Of course, don't forget to download the CLNS Radio free mobile podcast app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Radio in your respective store on your iPhone, your tablets, your Android phone, whatever it may be. You'll find us. You can listen to all of our audio content there um, all in one place, which is great. Of course, we're on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. Jess Thomas, Lauren Campbell. Uh, of course, I am Jared Scally here. Another week. Um, of Red Sox baseball, a good week for the Red Sox guys. And as much as the flu was going around, we talked about that crap last week. They're finally out of it, and I guys, it, they had a pretty pretty productive week. Yeah, it was a great week. It was a fun week. Um, it was everything I wanted after they had this flu. I know the week before this one was frustrating because they were, like I said, riddled by that flu bug and. Couldn't really seem to get a groove, and now I kind of feel like they're getting into it. They're over this whole thing, and now they're going to start playing like how they should. Yeah, it's amazing what happens when you get your players back who are actually good, and then you actually start hitting the ball. It's a wondrous thing. A run game, a, a uh, seven run game, a couple fours. So the offense seems to be back, and uh, it's a good good five and two week. Yeah, and. It's hard to, I mean, obviously, like we said, we didn't really want to gauge them after that first week because, like, everything happened, right? Bereavement leave, injuries, the flu, um, the team wasn't there, and there's still holes. There's obviously going to be holes. No team's perfect, but starting to slowly get back into health here. Um, Xander Bogarts is starting to play better, but Moreland came out of nowhere this week. And um, Jess, why don't you, you know, you started to do it there briefly. Um, so recap the week. Let us know how they got to 5-2 and two and 
Um, we'll get to the MVP who, you know, there's a bit of a debate this week because he actually had some pretty talented outings this week from a couple players. Yeah, we'll start with Tuesday. Uh, Drew Pomerantz getting his first start of the year, and uh, he dazzled in this game. It was an 8-1 to one Red Sox win. The offense was rolling. Pomerantz was rolling. He went six innings, four hits, one run, one walk, and six strikeouts. Very solid outing for, for Drew. He only threw 91 pitches in six innings, and that's been one of the biggest problems is that he hasn't been getting deep into games, and his pitch <laughs> yeah. count's been through the roof. So to get to get uh, through six innings, only 91 pitches was definitely encouraging to see. Um, but the offense was definitely the other story in this game. Uh, Dustin Pedroia had four RBI of the eight, so he had a nice half of those with two hits. Um, the first RBI he had was a sack fly in the fifth inning. And then um, after that, nobody scored until the seventh inning. That was in the fifth inning. It was 2 nothing Red Sox. Um Baltimore got their one run. Jonathan Scope hit a fielder's choice. The run scored, and Pedroia was back at it in the seventh with a two-RBI infield single. That was 4-1. to one. Benintendi made it 5-1 to one with an RBI single. And then an inning later in the eighth, Vasquez got a two-RBI triple to make it 7-1, to one, and Pedroia got a sing- his fourth RBI, RBI single to make it 8-1. to one. So that was good offense through and through. Uh, three runs in the seventh, three runs in the eighth. Uh, the bullpen for the, the O's was not good. Darren O'Day gave up two runs, one earned. Oliver Drake gave up three runs, all earned. And the first three went to Dylan Bundy. Uh, so I guess, Lauren, I'll have you uh, talk about this one a little bit because you were there, and uh, I was a great outing for, for Pomerantz and a great offensive performance from Pedroia. Yeah, it was great. And it's funny, you know, I was at the game when Chris Sale debuted, and I talked about how the atmosphere was just unreal and everyone was so amped. And to think on Tuesday when I was there, how different the atmosphere was. It was kind of like, oh no, Pomeranz is pitching. Great. Like, what are we going to get from him? But his first pitch was a strike. When he got the strikeouts, everyone started getting really into it, getting really loud. And, you know, come that eighth inning, everyone was just loving it, going wild. And, you know, Kimbrell was warming up. They were like, everyone was excited to see Kimbrell. Obviously, we didn't because we didn't need to at that point. We didn't need him in when the game's 8-1. You don't, you're not going to put your closer in. Um, but this was overall such a fun game to be at. I mean, I don't think it beats Chris Sale's debut just because of how that one ended, but just completely fun. It was nice to see the offense come alive because I didn't really get that in the game before that I went to. So to see the offense come through, to see Pedroia get four RBI, to just really just see everyone kind of work together and look as if they're all 100% out there. It was just so much fun. One thing about this game, too, guys, and um, Lauren, you can speak to it, obviously, seeing it firsthand. It's, you know, Pomeranz looked comfortable. Obviously, they didn't, they didn't push him too deep into the game just for being purposes of, obviously, being his first start back, but he looked super comfortable. His curveball was working for the most part, and he just he looked like a healthy Drew Pomeranz, hoping it continues, but um, a lot better than I think most people probably thought his first start would be seeing what he is coming back from, and he obviously wasn't great last year either. So obviously it's only one start, but definitely a lot better than what we all thought it probably would have been. Yeah, no, he absolutely looked comfortable. Um, He looked confident. He looked like the pitcher that we want him and need him to be. You know, we traded our top prospect, pitching prospect, to get him. And then after the whole debacle of us being able to trade him back, we say no, and the injury and the stem cell, everything, and kind of having a 
not so good spring training, starting the season on the DL kind of thing. Um, it's exactly what how he needed to start his season to get his confidence started and to get it, you know, something that he can build off of and not be the pitcher he was last year, but be the pitcher that he continues to be from that first start. Be the pitcher that he was the first half of last year with the Padres. Exactly. <laughs> the reason why we traded exactly. for him. <laughs> exactly. The all-star Drew Pomerantz. So that was great to see. And then the bullpen, which has been quite a theme for this week and the whole season at this point, was locked down again. Hembry, Barnes, and Joe Kelly all had one inning apiece. Only one hit and one walk combined for the three of them. So that's great to see. And Christian Vasquez was 4-4 four for four in this game and was hitting 1,000 at this point. I want to throw that in there, too. Catchers have been doing very well. So that was the first game of the week. Always nice to beat the O's uh, because it didn't happen the next night. And I can tell you firsthand from this one because <laughs> I was there. And uh, talk about atmosphere. Um, hard to have a good atmosphere in a ballpark when you're down 9 nothing after two and a half innings. So uh, <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was ugly from the start. Uh, Stephen Wright was awful. His knuckleball was nowhere to be found. Uh, it was either everything was a ball and every pitch that was in the strike zone was a home run, was pretty much all it was. There was basically no strikes that were not home runs in the entire game for him, which wasn't very long because he only lasted an inning and a third. So we'll jump into it here. Uh, he gave up eight hits and eight runs in an inning and a third. Uh, and you want to leave him out there because knuckleballers can turn it around so quickly as he's done so many times, as Wakefield did so many times. But he was just as bad the second inning, so they, they just couldn't leave him out there any longer. Uh, it started with a Manny Machado RBI ground ruled double for the first run and Mark Trumbo got a RBI single and it was 2 nothing. That wasn't even the worst part. It started getting bad when uh, Trey Mancini who's a really good young player hit a three-run homer to a deep right center. He blasted it. And then next batter, next pitch, in fact, Jonathan Scope hit a home run to the monster and it was 6 nothing before he could even blink your eyes. Literally, there was like nobody in the ballpark. Everybody was late arriving and it was already 6 nothing by like 7.15. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, folks, if you wanted to uh, not miss any runs, you literally had to get there on time. And too bad for all of them, because they all missed. I mean, especially if they were Orioles fans, which the people in front of us were. Super nice people, but they got there after it was 9 nothing, And I was like, well, sorry. You basically missed everything. <laughs> so, didn't feel bad for them, though, because you got to get there on time. You never know what's going to happen. So um, what happened in this one was the second inning. Adam Jones did a home run, and then Chris Davis did a home run, and all of a sudden it was eight to nothing, and um, they had to pull right because he gave up four home runs in the inning of the third. Kind of hard to leave the guy out there, so that was it for him. Ben Taylor came in, Trey Mancini hit another home run in the third inning, and then it was nine nothing. Um, so and then Taylor settled down, which was nice, and the Red Sox came back after uh, after Wright came out in the third. Ben Intendi got a sack fly and make it nine to one, and then in the fourth. Bogarts hit an RBI single, and Pablo Sandoval got a rare hit to run homer into the monster. It was 9-4. to four. And then one inning later, it was 9-5 to five when Bogarts hit an RBI single. And the Red Sox guys had the bases loaded, down 9-5, to five, with one out in the fifth inning. So just halfway through the game, when it was 9 nothing before, one grand slam would have tied it, one base hit would have, uh, would have made it a two-run game. Unfortunately, uh, after Bogarts got the hit, Sandoval and Young got out and couldn't get any more runs. But to go from nine nothing to nine to five and a chance to tie, the offense did not give up in this one. That's a spot too where we see Sandoval and go, "Come on, what are you doing?" Like that's a perfect opportunity for him to like redemption story. You know, hasn't been doing too well except for those few homers he has. That was a spot where I was hoping 
that he would kind of break out of it, get a big hit, big clutch factor. You know, that's what he's known for, at least in the playoffs. So um, that's a moment where I think last year's offense would have potentially had one more hit in them to get closer. Not saying that this team is any that much worse than last year, but um, right now that's what this offense is missing. I just think that clutchness that obviously David Ortiz doesn't took away from the lineup when he retired, but I think right now that's what you're missing. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, when I was watching that game and they're in that position, I'm thinking this would be a perfect moment for David Ortiz to just step to the plate and just do what he's done so many times. And this is exactly where we're going to miss him and going to miss that big bat. And that's exactly where this offense needs to step up. And But like you said, Jess, for them to be down 9 nothing at one point and then to come back with a chance to tie it and Really, once you're in within four runs, you know, anything's possible. And just for them to – something clicked when they're still scoring all those runs. And I know it sucks that they didn't come back. It sucks they were down a lot so early, but they wouldn't give up. They kept fighting. But they are, unfortunately, missing that big bat of David Ortiz. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, though, because, like, the Red Sox lead the league in average. But obviously they didn't get – didn't get a lot of big hits early in the first few games because they only scored in one inning in the first four games and all that. But, like, there have been some clutch moments where they've scored late in games. There's been a lot of late game uh, scoring. So there has been some clutch moments. There also haven't been, like, like this one where they stranded the bases loaded. But I don't know. The offense seems to still be there. It just, like, depends on when they want to come out. They, they come out at random times. So they're like, all right, six-run inning. All right, eight-run inning. And then they're like, four scoreless innings is kind of kind of it unpredictable at this point so far is kind of what i'm seeing it's the consistency that's lacking right you never know when they're gonna do that even though they have the best average in the league but you know the best average in the league is still not be that good because if you don't hit them at the right time you might still not be that good i mean they're eight and five that's so obviously something's worked but there's just been times where it hasn't worked also so but that's baseball i mean things happen I mean, do, do, do those peaks and valleys speak to the, just the lack, like, there's a hole in that lineup? Like, are they not spacing it out the right way? Or is there really just uh, some hole that's not connecting the hot streaks to the cold streaks in terms of, like, either whether it be David Ortiz or just that consistency? I mean, I think it, it I, don't, I don't, I guess it's the consistency. Because like you said, you know, we score one inning, a run in one inning, and we kind of, uh, the offense is all over the place, kind of, but. Just I know you said we lead the league in average, but wasn't it last year that we led the league in runs scored or some weird stat like that where it's kind of like, how do they do that when the inconsistency is there throughout the entire season, but you know we're, we're leading in X, X amount of categories? So I guess other I teams think... are just more inconsistent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> baseball I, for you, right? It is Seriously. baseball. It's the only way to really describe it is... I mean, it's it's still early in the season, so I think maybe it's still they could be still not 100% from this flu or trying to just find how they click with one another without David Ortiz. And, you know, there's some new players on that team, so kind of seeing where they fit too. And, and even Sandoval, he needs to figure out where he fits in that team. But the other thing too is that, like, um, in several of these games, the while as you get to them, as we get deeper in the recap, uh, when Chris Sale doesn't pitch, the pitching has kind of blown it early on before they settled in in several games, and the offense has had to bail them out several times, and it's happened multiple times. So it's like they are they are making comebacks and coming back when the when the uh, starters kind of put them in an early hole, which is good to see, obviously. 
So we just put uh, Chris Allen every day. Well, I don't know because right? the offense sucks. Robinson <laughs> <laughs> hasn't scored anything when he's pitched. So yeah, I mean maybe they're better off getting down four nothing every game, and then the offense keeps making comebacks because that's what's worked so far. But we'll see. So yeah, this was a tough game, twelve to five loss. The uh, O's got three more in the seventh inning off Fernando Abad and Joe Kelly, and then. Um, but it was pretty bad outing for Ubaldo Jimenez, who couldn't even get through five. He went four and a third, giving up five runs. So, tough game overall. Uh, split with the O's, one to one. It was a two-game series because that brings us into Thursday, which is a makeup game with those pesky Pirates, who were not pesky in this series because it was a sweep. Um, the Red Sox won on Thursday, four to three. They swept the Pirates over a week and a half span. They beat them on Monday, Wednesday. And uh, Thursday a week later. So this was a good one. Uh, it was a great end of the game because Hanley Ramirez hit a big, big RBI, two RBI double in the eighth inning to tie the game. Mookie Betts got thrown out at home trying to make it three. It was actually called safe originally. They reviewed it and it was overturned. But two batters later, after Mitch Moreland was intentionally walked, Xander Bogarts hit an RBI single to take the 4-3 to three lead and the win. Uh, going back to earlier in the game, this matchup was Eduardo Rodriguez and Chad Cool, and they were both really good after the first two innings. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon had a two-run homer in the first, and it was like, all right, first inning all over again, here we go. Kind of the theme of the week. But uh, Marco Hernandez got an RBI double in the second to make it 2-1 to one before Pittsburgh got up 3-1 to one in the sixth. Uh, so they both settled down. Nobody scored for a lot of innings. Uh, and then it was 3-1 to one going into the eighth inning when the uh, the magic happened late, which is great to see. Um Bogarts had two hits. He was the only guy with two hits. And Hanley had the two RBI. And once again, after Erod, the bullpen, Heath Hembry, 1.2 innings, no runs. Matt Barnes, inning, no runs. Greg Kimbrell, save, no runs. So late offense at an opportune time and uh, really good bullpen work again. Yeah, it's really nice to see this bullpen because, as you said, it's kind of been a theme since spring training really um so many questions and holes and the questions about even joe kelly kind of john farrell's trust in him which kind of seems to be gone away at this point but he does have trust in him because he's putting him in in big situations um it's just like i said it's just nice to see this bullpen kind of come together be what we be what we didn't expect them to be right now and just to see kimbrell get those like save after save and just even though he so lots of those people gives up, gives up, you know, singles in really low-scoring games and tight games. It's still really nice to see them come together and just kind of pleasantly surprise me. I think two things I take from this game. One, Kimbrel. I mean, Kimbrel's obviously had question marks since he got here, and he hasn't been that dominant force this week. He was um, obviously there's more more of that to come. But um, and two, Xander Bogarts. Didn't start too have Obviously, he was gone for a little bit as well, but um, he's starting to figure it out, I think, as well, and starting to hit consistently, and he got moved up, and he's going to get moved around, whatever it may be in the order, but um, he's starting to be more consistent again. I think he's going to be a big cog past the first four in the lineup if Ben Attendee stays up there um, to really help drive that consistency like we are talking about earlier, like bridging that gap from the top of the lineup where you can kind of guarantee success to the bottom where you're not really sure. He's that middleman. Um, consistently hits five, maybe six, and really he's going to find success helping to kind of bridge the gap from the top four to the bottom four. Um, and he started with, with the two hits that game and really helping drive the success to win this game. 
I know I'm a huge Xander Bogarts fan. I'm not just preaching it because of that. I think you're starting to see him really kind of come into his own this, more this season already. He's starting to figure it out this year again, and he's, he's starting to have that consistent success, which is good. Yeah, he's getting more hits. He's getting bigger hits, and he's doing what he's doing when he's on fire, which is line drives to center field, right field. That's when he's sharp, and that's that was what his hit was to win this game was a line drive to right field, base hit, which is exactly what they needed. So. Which is what he was doing in the World Baseball Classic, too. Right, so he's just extending what he was doing, which is awesome. Yeah, that's that's huge. Yeah, the bullpen's been great. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Kimbrell's not making a sweat. He's not throwing a billion pitches, which we'll obviously get to in the last couple games here because he's pitching almost every game. Uh, so let's move on to the next series, the last series that started on Friday. Four-game wraparound series with the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, and Friday was the ugliest one of those. It was kind of like... Uh, uh, Wednesday all over again, except not quite as early. Uh, this one was Rick Porcello, and he was not good. He was very flat. He gave up four home runs, two run home run to Shane Peterson in the second, grand slam to Logan Morrison in the third, solo home runs for Brad Miller and Steven Souza Jr. in the fifth. So each Wright and Porcello both gave up four home runs apiece in their outings. Porcello lasted a little longer than Wright's one in, one in a third innings. He went four in a third innings, which is his shortest start in a long time. Eight hits, eight runs, two walks, five strikeouts. Just couldn't get his stuff together against the Rays. Uh, and before we even get into the rest of this game, I mean, you can crap on Porcello if you want, but this is the first bad start the guy's had in two years. I'm not going to say too much about that. Oh, no, you can't because, look, everyone's going to have a clunker. I mean, look how good Stephen Wright was last year. He came up and threw, I don't even want, know what to call it, Well, for, you know, his first start. So, it's, I mean, I know what to call it, but I can't call it here. So, look, it, it's just one of those things where, as much as I, I was always one to crap on Porcello when he was bad, he's he's fine now, right? He's a good pitcher. He won the Cy Young for a reason. And as long as it's not going to be two or three bad starts in a row, the guy deserves a clunker for the first time in two years. Yeah, I mean, it, we knew a bad start was coming from him. We can't expect him to be the Cy Young winner pitcher every single start as much as we want him to be. So to see, even though he was last year, <laughs> exactly. But you know, it's it's New Year. He's gonna have shaky starts, and you know, we just gotta think he was what, twenty-two and three, twenty-two and four last year. So if he wants to do that again, that's okay. But he's still gonna lose four games, so he's still gonna have four not perfect starts. And I'm not too worried about it. Like I said, it's still early in the season. If this is going to be a constant thing, the next three or four starts, yeah, I'll be worried. But one start, not even, not even worried a little bit. No, and someone did mention too. I mean, it wasn't this bad. It wasn't eight runs and four and third innings. But he had a couple of subpar outings in the first month of last year too, and then he just went an absolute tear from May on. So this is not like out of the ordinary. Like he wasn't quite this bad last year in, in the starts, but like. It's bound to happen. You can't be perfect the entire year. And, you know, if you don't have it, you don't have it. And so many outings where he doesn't have it, he still gets six or seven innings and still gives the team a chance to win. So one time he didn't, uh, it's pretty easy to look past unless you're these people who just have no faith in him. <clears throat> Adam Ballou. Uh, I didn't say anybody's <laughs> name there. But uh, <laughs> he's been preaching for the last two years that he's not as good as is. Uh, as he was last year and he's never going to be a good pitcher again and doesn't really think he's a good pitcher in the first place and i've seen several people say that and it drives me nuts because it's like how 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 long can you 
give him. I mean, he he doesn't have a bad start for two years, and he has one bad start, and you're like, yep, yeah, he's not good. He's terrible. He's an awful pitcher. I knew it all along. It's like, what? It doesn't even make sense to me, and it just drives me insane that people do that. Like, you got to give the guy a pass for a game or two. He was Cy Young last year. You can't do that every start. No, you can't. And like I said, you can't expect him to be that. As much as we want him to be, we can't expect him to be that kind of pitcher. And any pitcher out there is going to have bad starts. And it's not that it was all that bad. It just wasn't what we expect. Like Pedro had clunkers. All these guys had clunkers when they were here. And I know the name that you didn't drop was Adam. But like no one, like Adam didn't hate Pedro. Like you know, it's one of those things where it's just because the pitcher has a bad history doesn't mean he's a bad pitcher now. And they, they deserve to have clunkers if they're pitching the way he was. Now, the way he was when he first got here, he deserved to get crap on because it was an entire summer of just nothing good. But yeah, it was every, every game. It was yeah. every game. But now it's, it's, he's figured it out. He clearly wasn't feeling 100%, and he won the Cy Young. So now he deserves this. He earned the right to have a start like this. Yeah. If he has three or four bad starts, then we can say maybe there's something wrong with his delivery, maybe there's something wrong with his mechanics, but one start is just not enough. And he was fine in his first two starts. He wasn't fantastic, but he was certainly serviceable enough and kept the team in the game. So look for a strong start from him on, uh, on his next start. I'm not worried at all. Um, the Red Sox made a little comeback in this game after Porcello put him in the hole. Uh, they got up 10-1 to through the top of the seventh inning. Benintendi got the only RBI single. But they made a little comeback at the end. Uh, Hanley Ramirez got an RBI single in the seventh to make it 10-2. And then the ninth, they made a little noise. Uh, Mookie Betts, RBI single. Hanley Ramirez, RBI ground out. Xander Bogart's RBI single. Uh, got within 10-5. And they actually, the Rays actually ended up bringing in Alex Colomay, their closer, for the last two outs because Austin Pruitt gave up eight hits and four runs and two and a third and was terrible. So they had to bring in their closer with a 10-5 lead, which is kind of pathetic. But it's just a little too much to come back from, kind of just like Wednesday. They were both... Both valiant efforts to make a little comeback bid, but just down way too much to make that comeback. So it happens. I mean, the Red Sox had more hits than the Rays did, so it's not like the offense wasn't there. It's just they just got down too far too quickly. Yeah, and you think about if they would have come back, like how great those wins would have been, but there still would have been critiques like, oh, they wouldn't have had to fight back so much if they didn't go down so so much so early. So, I mean. Right. That's always the thing with comebacks. Great comeback. Yeah. Why'd you get down so much? It's always the same thing. <laughs> you can't enjoy a comeback just because for that reason. Like, oh, they wouldn't have to come back if they weren't down 10 nothing in the fourth. Like, shut up, Sally. I'm not here for your attitude. <laughs> Sounds like my attitude. Yeah, right. <laughs> Too funny. So we'll move on to Saturday, uh, game two of the series. And uh, this one was great because you know who pitched. It was Chris Sale. And he doesn't pitch bad games because he's like Porcello from last year. He doesn't get run support. Yeah, he just nobody scores for him. This, this guy can't get any run support. All his games are like one nothing or two to one, and uh, this was no different. Uh, two to one Red Sox win. Six hits for the Sox, three hits for the Rays. Chris Sale went seven innings, three hits, one run, three walks, twelve strikeouts. His ERA is now one point two five through uh, three games. Uh, and he finally got his first win because the offense bailed him out right at the last possible second. They scored an RBI ground out from Sandy Leone with the bases loaded in the seventh inning in Sale's last inning. So it was the last chance for him to get the win. And fortunately, uh, that gave the Sox a 2-1 to one lead. And that trusty little bullpen, they uh, they locked it down. Matt Barnes, one inning, no runs. Craig Kimbrell, one innings, one inning. Two, uh, two strikeouts, only 13 pitches. Um, so great pitching in this game. And uh, the offense struggled, which is interesting, because Jake Odorizzi uh, left after one inning with some hamstring 
tightness. Uh, he lasted one inning. Erasmo Ramirez pitched the next four. Uh, the Sox only other run besides Leon's ground out was a Mitch Moreland solo home run. His first of the season, first with the Red Sox. It was on Erasmo Ramirez's first pitch when he came into the game, uh, relieving Oda Rizzi. So it looked like the offense was going to be great, but they weren't able to score other than Leon's ground out the whole rest of the game off Ramirez, Hunter, Xavier Cedeno, and Jumbo Diaz. So, uh, so yeah, 2-1 to one win, great pitching, not much offense, but just enough for Sale to get his first one. And yeah. 12 strikeouts, and he's absolutely, absolutely dominant. Like, there's nothing I don't love about watching Sale pitch. And he's had just strikeout after strikeout, and he's just so calm and poised on the mound. It's almost kind of intimidating just how calm he is. And it's just, I don't know if you guys get the same enjoyment watching him. Just kind of, like, I'm just so intrigued by this guy just because, <laughs> I mean, I love having him here. I don't know if it just, it just hasn't hit me yet that we have Chris Sale on our roster or what it is, but it's I'm absolutely loving what he's brought to this team. I love bring me more double digit strikeouts. I love those. Just keep bringing those. Oh, I think I think the thing for you, Lauren, is is the fact that, and I think for a lot of people, is we heard about the rumors for Chris Sale for so long and never thought it would actually happen. Now it's it's actually happened. He's here. He's pitching in a Red Sox uniform, not getting run support. And we're just casually talking about it like it was John Lackey back in the day not getting run support. Like, it, it's one of those things where we just kind of aren't really thinking about it. But then when you take a step back, it's, oh, crap, Chris Taylor's pitching really well for the Red Sox, which is awesome. Um, that being said, if this is a trend and he doesn't get run support when Joe most of the year, that's going to be terrible. And, and it, it can happen because we saw it happen for that season with Lackey. He, almost the whole year, he just didn't get run support. So... Luckily, he's a pitcher that can pitch out of it. Luckily, he, he got he got lucky um, in that one with Sandy getting that RBI uh, ground out single. But it's one of those things where, you know, he's good enough to pitch out of it. He gets the win. Um, he pitched good enough to get three wins if he, if he got some run support. So uh, no worries about Chris Sale. Well, he's so fun to watch because you just know he's going to pitch well. So you just feel confident and you feel comfortable watching the game because you're like, well, you know what he's going to give you. And he does it every time, which is so awesome. But here's the great thing about him. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but I read a quote from him after the game. And he basically, to paraphrase, he said, if I'm going to pitch in these you know, one run, one nothing, two to one games all season long, he said, basically, he said, I accept the challenge. Uh, if I need to do that, I'm going to do that. Um, that's what I need to do. So basically, he was saying, I'm not making excuses. If we don't get runs, I'm still going to pitch incredibly well and make us win, even if it's a 2-1 to one game. Like, I don't care if we don't get runs. I'm still winning that game, one nothing. And he's got that ace mentality where he just does not care. It's just that he's going to do whatever it takes to win the game, and he knows how good he is, and he accepts the challenge if he gets no run support, which is an honorable thing because he's got no run support basically his entire career because he's been on a terrible team, and he comes here, and the exact same thing happens, and he's like, I don't care. I'm still going to win. I wish uh, I wish David Price would get that kind of mentality. Who's David Price? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> hey, you never know. Maybe David. Maybe David Price will be the reason why this team is, um, in, it would be in first or second place and not third. Goodness, can you imagine that? <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. He'd lose all his games. Well, that's the thing. Like when he didn't pitch well, he's like, yeah, he pitched well. Blah, 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 blah. If you do pitch well, you don't have to make an excuse. Like he's not gonna be winning any one nothing, two to one games when you're giving up six or seven runs. 
though. Pitch better, and then we don't have to hear about your wine. You, you realize, just because I love to do this, you realize the way David Price talks and the way you complain about David Price talking is the same way John Farrell talks about this team when he needs to make excuses? Yeah, well, I like John Farrell. I don't like David Price. Yeah, see, there's my point. Yep, okay. Let <laughs> me just throw that out there. Keep going. <laughs> no, it's true. You're right. That's fine. I'm okay with that. But before I move on to the next game here, can we just talk about how awesome Jumbo Diaz is? I love the, I love the name. Just, just give me Jumbo. Give me more and more of Jumbo Diaz. I want to be a 278-pound guy named Jumbo. I mean, come on. Let's get real here. Dream Let's big, Jess. Dream big. Yes, yeah. You are never going to be anything associated with the name Jumbo ever in your nope. lifetime. I'm half half his size and not a whole lot of Jumbo there. But to be nicknamed Jumbo, his, his name is Jose, and he's called Jumbo. God, I want to be reborn and called Jumbo. That is so epic. Jose Jumbo. And I was uh, recapping this game, and I had a thrill saying Jumbo Diaz my recap. But that was the greatest thing. The big game from Jumbo Diaz. Jumbo Diaz. Oh, that's epic. Sorry, I had to get that out because it was just too (laughs) awesome. When I saw his name, I was like, oh my, Jumbo Diaz. This is great. All right. Move on to Sunday. Enough of that. Uh, this was also a fun game. This was a 7-5 to Red Sox win yesterday, and uh, a lot of runs back and forth in this one. Uh, it was 3-2 to after one inning, so it happened early and often. Um, Brad Miller got a 2-RBI triple and then scored in a pass ball to make it 3 nothing. And then Mookie Betts hit an RBI double. Mitch Moreland had an RBI single, and it was 3-2. to uh, The starters in this game were Drew Pomerantz, and uh, Alex Cobb, neither of them were sharp, but somehow, despite the five runs, Pomerantz got ten strikeouts in just four and a third innings. So, very, very strange game for him. Four and a third, five hits, five runs, two walks, ten Ks. And uh, he was just not sharp, but Cobb wasn't either. Uh, he had five innings, 11 hits, four runs, one walk, and no strikeouts. So, very different there the zero and ten strikeouts. Uh, Joe Kelly came in and, and cleaned up some mess with two and two-thirds scoreless innings. Um, but the offense just kept continuing on. Corey Dickerson got a home run in the fourth to make it 4-2. Pablo Sandoval got another home run. That's all he does. And get out. Home runs and outs. That tied it at four. And then Tim Beckham, half an inning later, made it 5-4 to four with a solo home run. Um but then the Sox scored the late runs, the big runs. Mitch Moreland, RBI, two RBI single, six to five. Christian Vasquez, RBI double, an inning later in the eighth, seven to five. So once again, the offense came through at a really important time late, which has been a theme. And the bullpen, Joe Kelly, Matt Barnes, Robbie Scott, Craig Kimbrell, no runs for all of them, just two hits over the whole rest of the game after Pomerantz's four and a third inning. So kind of like the rest of the games this week and this season, it's kind of kind of a theme here. Yeah, it, it was definitely a weird game for Pomeranz. Uh, but 10 strikeouts through four and a third inning, it's one of those weird starts where, you know, the he had to get bailed out. But it's I love seeing Joe Kelly on the mound. I love that Farrell's been going to him. I love that he looks confident out there after the first few games. And I love that he's just burning the heat. And he's the relief pitcher that, we all knew deep down two years ago that we knew he could be. Yeah, it's just it's it's nice to see him, you know, 
being successful with it. And um, this this was a good game. I mean, it was obviously a good win for the team, the team when they needed it, um, considering they had a, a rough week last week. And you come in and you, you build momentum off that win um, the, the night before. Um, it, it's just something where you need, this team needs to start getting consistency, building the momentum early in the week. You know, you lose every other game. Um, it's nice to you know start building a little bit of momentum here. Yeah, I mean, what do you guys think of Pomeran's start? He obviously didn't pitch well, five runs and four and a thirds, but the ten strikeouts. I mean, did he look as comfortable to you guys as he did in his first start, or was this just good hitting? I mean, what was the problem? I think he looked a little. Um, I don't think he looked uncomfortable. Because, I mean, he has ten strikeouts, so. I think it's one of those situations where it might have just been some good hitting and um, did all he could. Obviously, I don't expect him to be like he was in his his first start every time because I just don't think he's that good of a pitcher all the time. Um, but that being said, you know, to get ten strikeouts still means you had some stuff that night. So I'm not gonna get here and completely crap on the guy when he had ten strikeouts and didn't look obscenely terrible. Yeah, so that was that was a good game, um, good win to get with some late offense uh, from Mitch Moreland, who's been the man. Um, so we'll move into Monday, looking for three straight against the Rays. That was today, and uh, it was it was a good game. It was another another close one. And uh, President's Day, Stephen. Yeah, exactly. Um, Stephen Wright in the mound again, and this one was better. It looked like it wasn't going to be at first, but it turned around. Uh, Wright gave up two runs in the first inning, just bad like he was in the first start, uh, at the second start. Actually, he's been bad in all three starts in the first <laughs> inning. Um, Miller got an RBI single on a ground out, and Steven Souza got an RBI on a ground out, too, after the bases were loaded. So that was 2 nothing. but uh, Wright settled in, and he didn't give up any runs from the second to the sixth inning before giving up a run in the seventh that was an inherited runner. Um, and meanwhile, the Red Sox got back in the game and took the lead. Hanley Ramirez got an RBI single in the first to make it 2-1. And then Andrew Benintendi got a two-RBI single in the second. And Betts got an RBI single afterwards to make it 4-2. But this all <laughs> happened because Brad Miller made one of the worst errors you'll see. Uh, routine grounder that would have ended the inning from Marco Hernandez. There was two outs, just a guy in first. Routine grounder to second. And... Uh, Brad Miller took the throw at second and just dropped the ball out of his glove. It was right in his glove. It was a perfect throw, and that would have ended the inning. And instead, the Sox got three runs afterwards, and they would never trail after that. So I'm pretty much pinning this entire game on Brad Miller's error. Yeah, that was that was bad. I don't I don't think there's any other way to to describe it. Like you said, routine ground ball, and it was in his glove. It was, it was such an easy play. play. <laughs> I, I don't know how he messed it up it was just like whoops don't know how to baseball right now but like it great for us awful for them but like how do you mess that up i thought you yeah, baseballing that... as a verb yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was what i do it was just the worst play you don't see that much in baseball usually at least if they make an error it's like something that's like you could be like oh okay that was like he could have missed that play, but this was just the easiest play right into his glove. So I don't know what his problem was, but I'll take it. It was great. And uh, the Braves got one back in the seventh on a Steven Sousa Jr. RBI single. That was Steven Wright's run. He gave up a single to start the inning, then taken out. Um, and so the inherited runner scored off of Ben Taylor, but he got the last out of the inning. They didn't score any more runs. 
Heath Embry and Craig Kimbrell shut down the eighth and ninth innings with five strikeouts combined of the six hitters. Kimbrell's third straight save in three consecutive days. Looked great in all of them. He's got six saves already and 1.29 ERA. So we'll talk about him uh, in a little bit and how he's doing because he's turning into the pitcher that everyone expected him to be and what we were predicting last year, which didn't happen, obviously. So good for the bullpen. Again, Stephen Wright. Um, Pitched a lot better this game than he did the previous game, and the offense got the runs this time early to get to get uh, the lead instead of late. So, however it takes, uh, three straight three straight wins over the Rays took three out of four and a nice five and two week. Yeah, yeah I won't complain. Uh, three <laughs> out of four from the Rays, and like I said, five and two week. You can't go wrong there, especially coming off the flu and just kind of getting into the groove. Um, I'll take it. No, yeah, and um, I think if, if anyone's looking at the standings, like I know I teased it earlier, but um, I, I think if you're looking at the standings this early, it's kind of crazy considering the Orioles are so hot and the Yankees are in second place according to the standings now. And um, Red Sox got ha, got a sluggish start. This week is more like the team that we are going to be used to seeing, I think, throughout the year. Um, we didn't do predictions last week. We're going to do them this week, and I think you're going to see a lot more optimistic predictions from me and um, the two of them more than usual um, with this team because once health comes back, once everyone's good to go, and as you start to get Carson Smith back, Thornburg back, all these guys start to full-fledged into the year, um, you're going to see a lot more of these types of weeks rather than a deflated type of week like last week. Yeah, I mean, it's in the two losses this week were both horrendous pitching performances to start where they were, had no chance in the first place. So anytime they've had any remote chance of not being down like 9 nothing, 10 nothing, 8 nothing, they won every single game. So I'm encouraged by that. Uh, we're kind of thinking about co-MVPs this week because two players were really good for the offense in uh, making all those comebacks after being down early. Uh, one is Mitch Moreland, who had eight hits, four RBI, four doubles, a home run and three runs. And then the other is Andrew Benintendi, who had 12 hits, five RBI, three doubles, and five runs. So both these guys were, were huge cogs. They both had big hits. You know, Benintendi got the go-ahead runs today. Mitch Moreland got the go-ahead runs on uh, on on Sunday. So they both had great weeks this week. So different weeks for them, but they were both equally important. So that's why I wanted to give them co-MVPs. I think both deserve it. Um, one thing I want to just touch on with Benintendi quickly is the fact that, you know, he started off pretty sluggish, had that obviously home run on opening day, but then, you know, he was hitting one something. And uh, I know I listening to radio around here. People were criticizing him for not being able to hit consistently. Should he be hitting second in the order? Things like that. Um, and then someone brought up, you know, how bad Pedroia was in his first month that he was up here as a Red Sox when he turned, when he hit, when he made it to the pros and, or the majors. And then obviously we saw what Pedroia did that year. Benintendi, is turning it around. He's figuring it out. He's he's consistent at the plate now. He had a great week. This week's huge for him. I think he's he's now back um, to what we think he can be, and I think full steam ahead for what who he should be the rookie of the year if he pans out the way he should. Yeah, I mean he's he's looked great this past week, especially you know twelve hits. You can't argue against that. And I'll go back to it time and time again. This kid has the plate patience of a saint. I don't know how he doesn't swing at some of the pitches that he doesn't because I'll start yelling at the TV, like, why didn't you swing at that? And then he goes and proves why he didn't swing at it. But it's just this kid is going to be something super special. And he's obviously showing that. And, Jared, like you said, 
if he keeps this up, he's going to be rookie of the year, hands down. He's so confident. It's just like he's so comfortable at the plate. He's such discipline, like you said, Lauren. And, like, it's so funny because, like you said, Jared, he goes from hitting 174 and now he's well over 300. And, like, after the game today, Garen Austin's like, how, do, how have you done this year? Some crappy question like she always does. And uh, and he was just – he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there with my, uh, with my game. And it's like he's sitting here after getting a 12-hit week being like – yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting comfortable. I'm starting to feel better about my game. And it's like most guys who are rookies who are doing that would be like, yeah, I'm the best. I'm hitting over 300. I had a great week. And he's just like, yeah, I'm getting there. It's like, man, the modesty of this guy. He is very, he, it, it's very, it's a very Patriot answer to hate, to, to keep it in New England. You know, it's, it's very the, anyone's going to shower you praise. They, sh- they throw you a cookie cutter sideline reporter question. And he's like, yeah, you know, we're just, I'm doing what I have to do. I feel better. Uh, working every day, and, and I'm, I'm doing everything I can to help the team. That's basically what he meant by that answer. Um, I love it. This kid's humble already, and he's uh, the younger kid on the team and um, flew through the minors so fast last year, and he started to show why. Yeah, I mean, those answers are boring for you know fans to hear and like, oh, wow, oh, oh, he's working hard and he's getting like whatever. But like that's the kind of poise you want to see because he's not getting wrapped up on himself. He's not getting too high for it. He's just kind of – as Isaiah Thomas says all the time, stay in the course. You know, he stays the course of what he what he's trying to do, what he's trying to accomplish each week. And, you know, the way to do that is to not get too high or too low. And he seems to already be good with that at 22 years old, which is a great sign, even though it's boring. Yeah, and, and look, it, players like him, you want that to be the answer at, the, at a young age. When you get to be David Ortiz, when you get to be Manny Ramirez and all these other guys who have personalities and are veterans in the league – Go for it. I know if you can handle having a personality and be a veteran and, and still play well, that's when you start to have that entertainment factor. At this age, keep your head down, keep the blinders on, give your stock answers, and just figure out your game. Become popular, and then you can have, do, it, do whatever you want, basically, and take over the game at that point. Yeah, and another guy that we should mention because he flew under the radar because he is so good, but Mookie Betts also had 12 hits this week and brought his average from 150 to 325, so... Along with Ben and Tendi, they basically had the exact same week where they brought their average about 150 points up. Betts had a four-hit game, a three-hit game, a two-hit game, and he's on fire now, too. He didn't necessarily have, you know, he didn't have any home runs, and he didn't have, like, an insane amount of RBI or anything like that. But he just got a lot of hits and was just in the action. And we expect it, but after missing a little bit of time with the flu, he's right back in it and being one of the best hitters again. And he also hasn't struck out since September, so... Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, crap! That means he's going to strike out at some point this week, as Lauren said. He'll probably strike out tomorrow. People keep talking about it, and it hasn't happened. So, no, you know what will happen? It'll he'll strike out in Baltimore when Lauren's in the stands. That's when he's going to strike out. Oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> he'll go right. three for four. <laughs> well, that is uh, Justice recap, lengthy but effective. As we break it down, good week, obviously, for the Red Sox at five and two. Of course, um, recap in this podcast is brought to you by um, our friends at SeatGeek Ticketing App, the smartest and easiest way to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Get a $20 rebate on your first purchase by downloading the free SeatGeek app to your phone. So all you got to do, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and enter the promo code GARDENREPORT, um, all one word, and you'll get a $20 rebate. Um, and so SeatGeek will know who sent you. Obviously, help us out. We'll help SeatGeek out and help yourself out by getting uh, cheaper tickets to the games, whether it be Red Sox tickets, playoffs around here are full force despite tough losses. So uh, check it out. Again, it's SeatGeek app and enter the Garden Report uh, promo code. Um, Guess what, guys? What's up? I used the SeatGeek promo code. 
for my tickets on Wednesday. <laughs> Look at you go. Love it. So I can tell you firsthand, $20 off, it was awesome. My yeah. God. The, the price I got for those seats with that $20 off was great. So where, highly where'd recommended. You, where'd you sit? Super easy to use. Where'd you sit? Uh, I was sat in Bleacher 41, row 16. And with the $20 off, the two tickets were $14 each. Woo! Awesome. Love, love the pro- Look at the promo code helping you out. Love that. It was um, awesome, and it's so easy to use. So super user friendly, super good deal. So highly recommend it. Go out there and get it. I bet you were prepping that all week when you realized you used the promo code. You wanted to get that in there. I love it. Um, exciting. It's it, very, very exciting stuff. So we talked a lot about kind of everything as we broke it down. One thing we didn't touch on, and Lauren really wanted to touch on, um, <laughs> Brian Johnson, her binky, her boo, um, is likely – to start on Tuesday in place of Eduardo Rodriguez, um, who's on paternity leave. Congrats to him. Um, who has, has a 1.69 ERA and 15 strikeouts in AAA so far. Had anxiety. Looks like it's gone. Brian Johnson, Lauren Campbell, Mary, married in 2018, I'm assuming, right? When's the wedding? Wow. Wow, guys. I've only been single for a month. Like, <laughs> Mary, getting married right no, now. Brian. Brian Johnson's an improvement, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, of course I'm so excited because we all know how much I love Brian Johnson, how much I've just been behind this guy since we've started talking about him. Um, And even last week he was hitting the head with the line drive, and he's been hitting the head before. We had facial fractures a couple years ago. So for him to get hit in the head again is kind of scary, but for him to bounce back in his next start, he strikes out eight. Like, that's my guy. Like you said, Jared, that's my boo. Love this guy. Um, and I really hope if and when he starts on Tuesday, it's not some, like, crap start where I'm just so disappointed. I really hope he goes, like, six and two-thirds, seven strikeouts, two hits, no runs. But there's my, you heard it here first. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, this guy's been through a lot of crap between anxiety, depression issues, uh, getting robbed at gunpoint. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and getting hit in the head two different times. This guy's been through a lot of stuff for his age, and he hasn't. He pitched his first start in his career in 2015, you know, two months short of, uh, three months short of two years ago. And he's back now, and he should be starting tomorrow. So you got to root for this guy. This is exciting for him. It's exciting for, for fans, people who have followed him for the last couple of years uh, and all he's been through. So I hope he goes out there and dazzles it because he deserves it with everything he's been through. And to see him come back, and he's been pitching pretty well. And honestly, everyone in this in the Red Sox nation should be rooting for this guy because this team has zero pitching depth. Like, there's nothing down there to help this team. If anyone else gets hurt, if anyone else really does crap themselves even more, there's no help, right? David Price is the one who's hurt, and there, there really isn't depth. So everyone pra- used to praise what Brian Johnson could be, um, what Henry Owens could be, and that panned out horribly. So, like... Seeing Brian Johnson come back like this, potentially kind of have this comeback um, and successfully pitch, who knows? Maybe maybe this start will be the something something a start of something successful for him, and maybe a chance to redeem himself and stay on the big league roster. I hope so. I really hope so. Red Sox need it, so <laughs> they really do need it. <laughs> they do, and he's and he's young. Like I, I still feel this guy has so much potential. He's only twenty six years old, so he's got that. You know that young mentality still, where he can still be really, really good and still make a career for himself. I mean, look at Stephen Wright; he wasn't even supposed to be in the majors last year, and look what he did before he got hurt. So, I, I still have a lot of hope for this guy. I still have a lot of confidence in him. And like you said, after, Jess, after all he's been through, 
I think it's finally his time to shine, and I think it's going to start on Tuesday. Yeah, it's a perfect time, 26 years old, uh, just one career start, so this is his time to, to get a start and prove that he can be here, and then, you know, like we just said, if anyone else goes down, if Erod gets hurt again, if Wright gets hurt, if any of them pitch poorly or whatever, then it appears that Brian Johnson's the next guy up, considering he's pitching tomorrow for Erod, so... Um, that's a good sign for him, and this is definitely his time because he doesn't want to wait too much longer uh, to get into the big leagues, and he's getting his chance here, so I hope he dazzles. Yeah, it'd be very nice if he dazzles. I'm hoping he does. We'll obviously keep an eye on that for sure. Um, a lot of Red Sox stuff going on, and we're going to do predictions this week like we promised, so we'll get to that in a minute here. Before we do that, there is some MLB stuff we want to talk to. We talked about a lot of Red Sox stuff, but one thing within a division that is really puzzling to all of us um, is the Toronto Blue Jays. Right now, they're 2-10. and 10. I don't know where this is coming from, guys. They, they haven't lost too much. I know Encarnacion Owen's gone, but like, what is going on with these, these, this team in Toronto? Because they've been the, the face of this division for the last couple of years, the ones making the playoffs, the guys making the noise north of the border, and now all of a sudden, Orioles in first place, Blue Jays have two wins on the season, and I don't know what's going on up there in Canada. Your guess is as good as mine. I mean, like you said, you know, Encarnacion's gone, but I don't want to believe that just you take him out of the equation and they can barely win a game, you know? And I know Bautista being there, maybe he kind of misses his little his little boo bear and misses him being there with him. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Two and ten, it just it blows my mind. I, I'm, I have no explanation. I could try to picket this for, for days, but I... I don't get it because, like you said, they've been the ones making the noise in Canada. They're, you know, one of great teams out there. They're always a good division rival. Now it's just like two and ten, piece of cake. Who knew they were so uh, dependent on Encarnacion? Which is funny because he hasn't he hasn't done anything in Cleveland yet. He's playing like crap, so that's kind of funny. But yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at their stats. I mean, I obviously haven't seen their games, but they are hitting two twelve as a team, twenty seventh in the league. They have thirty four runs, which is good for. Good old fat last place. Uh, their ERA is 4.49, which is 23rd in the league, and they've given up 18 home runs, which is 26th in the league. So they're basically at the bottom of the league in every category. Uh, but, I mean, clearly the biggest thing is no offense. I mean, 34 runs, 212 average. Nobody's doing anything. I, I don't know. I don't know why they're so bad. Is Encarnacion well, really make that much of a difference? No, and I think, but you, you, you said, it, I mean, they're on the bottom of almost every category, but they're at the bottom of the thing that made them so successful. They're an offensive team. Last, right. Even when they were winning the division and doing well, it wasn't like their pitching was lights out by any means. It was the offense that was carrying this team and exploding and the Bautista bat flip in the playoffs and just all that stuff. It was the offense, and they were leading those categories. Now that you're saying that, that's the big reason. That That's it. They're just not producing at the plate. I don't know what it is. I don't know if they're going to snap out of it. I'm assuming they will. Um, they, can't, they don't have the roster to stay this bad forever, in my opinion, but... Right now, they look like they're playing T-ball and still can't even hit the ball. Well, Batista's hitting 136 with zero home runs and one RBI. So, but he wanted to play for the Red Sox. So, I'm glad they kept him. Seriously, <laughs> so he's gonna he's gonna go off and do that. It's awful. Yeah, I I I have no words. I I just don't. They're the worst team in the league. They are right. I don't they are the, they are the worst team in the league. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, it is to go from one of the top teams to like the worst team in baseball. It's pretty bad. Um, 
One other thing within the division, Zach Britton is on the DL for the O's with a left uh, forearm stiffness. Uh, Bucky Showalter over there said that um, it was too soon to tell if he'd be back for April 26th. But that being said, um, does help the Red Sox as the Orioles are in first place. Never a good thing if the O's are losing Britain. No, I mean, that's a big hit for them. And, you know, hopefully it's nothing. And I know Showalter said No, it's hopefully it's everything. You can stay on the DL. <laughs> are you kidding me, Lauren? He can, No, stop that. He can stay on the DL whenever, as long as he wants. Get, get him a pillow, put his arm up, whatever it may be. Give him some ice, give him some fruity drinks, and just make him feel as comfortable as possible on the disabled list. Well, at least uh, at least I won't be threatened by him on Saturday when I'm there. So, I mean, that's a plus, right? That is a very big plus. Cool. You can just but, keep delivering him drinks. Bring bring him some nice fruity, frozen alcohol drinks. I'll do that. I'll that, I'll, I'll get right on that. <laughs> <laughs> but I th- it's, a, it's a big hit for them. It's good for the American League. But I would never wish injury on anyone. But... <laughs> You know, it's kind of like, you know, Gary Sanchez and the Yankees. Like, eh, good, bad for them, good for us. Yeah, I mean, it's bad for my fantasy team. I got Britain, so screw that. But <laughs> I Red Sox over fantasy in, in my book always. So it's good It's good for the team. I mean, he's the best. I mean, he was the best closer in the league last year, probably the year before, too. So, I mean, big loss for them. I mean, clearly it doesn't sound like he's going to be out that long. But you never know with those injuries, those pitchers, things can take a lot longer than they expect. So that's could be big. So definitely something to monitor uh, as they're playing well so far. He can stay on the DL all he wants. And and one thing, speaking of DL, um, Clay Buckholz got his news. Um, according to Jerry Carabas, um, he will not have Tommy John surgery. So there's that yes. for Clay But they okay. said, I, for, I forget the actual wording. I can look at um, Jared Carabas' tweet. Apparently he has inside sources, which I believe. Um, Clay Wachos will undergo surgery tomorrow to repair tear of flexor pronator mass, not Tommy John, looking about three to five months. Um, so he won't be out for the year, but he's out for the year. I, guess. I don't know. He'll probably be out for the year. Let's be real. But um, he's not having Tommy John according to Jack Robbins. So I wanted to throw that in because I know you guys would be so happy to hear that. Um, of course. <laughs> it's definitely reassuring to hear. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh push um, posh with your attitude. <laughs> I'll always have a play buckles. <laughs> He's terrible. Um, okay. Before we get out of here for the week, we didn't do it last week. So for the first time this year, we're going to do some predictions. Uh, this week, they have three against the Blue Jays, the lovely, lovely Blue Jays, and three against the Orioles. Um Jess, how do you have them faring against those uh, lovely Blue Jays? Um, I've got winning two out of three. I think that a sweep would put them at two and thirteen, and that's just too bad for words. So, and they'll squeak <laughs> one out. I mean, they're they're at home, so I, I don't know. They're playing so terribly, but uh, and their awful t- offense against our really good pitching recently, uh, well, especially the bullpen. Not a good combination, but I think they'll squeak one out. Division games are tough sometimes, so I'm going two out of three. Yeah, that's about where I'm at, too. I mean, they're at home. I feel like they're going to at least get one win. You know, I feel like they could get some runs off our pitching or the bullpen or something. But I, as much as I want to push for the sweep, I, I don't think it's going to happen. See, like I said earlier, this year is going to be a new year for me for predictions. And I don't know how I can look at the Blue Jays and take them seriously. Right now, the Red Sox are going to sweep the Blue Jays. There, there's no question in my mind because – the Red Sox are coming off a good week this week after the whole flu. They're getting their 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 act together, and this team is just so bad right now. 
And last year, I went against it myself a lot. My gut wanted to pick the sweep of the A's, and I didn't in those four-game series last year, and we regretted it. So I learned my lesson last year. Um, I'm going to try to be a little more optimistic this year. They're sweeping the Blue Jays. It's happening. Mark it down. Um, against the Orioles, not so much. I have them losing two out of three to the O's uh, because the Orioles are in first place. Um, and I think that without Zach Burton, they're still a pretty good team. Um so yeah, so four and two overall for me. I like it, I'll, and I'm I'm a four and two week as well. Um, I think they're gonna take two out of three from the Orioles. Mainly, I feel like they're gonna win on Saturday because I'll be there, and I'm just their good luck charm this year. It's proven fact already. <laughs> so, and you're kind of the same thing. Orioles are at home. I don't think the Red Sox will sweep them on the road, but. One can dream, but I don't think it's going to happen. Look out for Mookie Betts to have a big series against the Orioles, too. He plays really well at Camden Yards. Oh, we know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've gotten losing two out of three to the O's. Uh, I don't like it because I want to win every game, and they may. But the O's are playing well. It's a home game, a home series. Uh, their offense is pretty solid, as we saw with the 12 runs. So, you know, they got a good offense. So I think that. I think that the win two out of three, it'll be three and three a week for the Red Sox, which seems like a downer for me. But division games are always tough; they're hard to they're hard to feel good about. Um, but I'll probably be completely wrong. We're going to go six and zero. It's going to be great. Uh, so I'm excited for the six and zero week. See, Jess, if you're going to be pessimistic, just stay with it. Like, no, I can't. The the the, 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 the predictions look like mine from last year, but then you're trying to be like, well, well they really won't go three and three. They're going to go six and zero. No, if you're going to go three and three, they're going to go three and three. Well, it's, you know, it's like my uh, my season predictions when I say they're going to lose in the ALCS, and then I proceed to five seconds later say, but they're going to win the World Series, so forget what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I roll. I can't, uh, I can't pick against my team. I can't do that. It's, you, you just did. They're going 3-3. Three and three. You obviously picked against your team. So Right, 3-3 three and three <laughs> and three parentheses, 6-0. and oh. <laughs> Okay, so every week we're going to put, put, of course, 6-0 and oh in parentheses under Jess's recap so, and, and Jess's prediction. Yep. So never, never wrong. Right. So Jess yep. will never be wrong. Um, okay, so that being said, um, that has been Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Radio. Don't forget, follow us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. If you're listening to us on iTunes, Stitcher, on demand on the CLNS mobile podcast app, don't forget to download that. If you're if you're listening somewhere else, um, check that out rate, as well. Review and subscribe Red Sox newsfeed too. It's up and running. Same thing with this podcast. If you haven't already, <laughs> um, share the crap out of both. Um, considering this this uh, website is going all audio for the most part, so um, support us in that change and definitely um, share the Red Sox stuff. It's been good so far, by the way. So um, definitely check. And it's easier than reading an article. 40 pages long about the Red Sox game. I can listen to a two and a half minute brief, um, which is a lot easier. So check that out at CLNS Radio on Twitter. Facebook is CLNS Fans. We're at Red Sox underscore beat again. Facebook, just search Red Sox Sox Beat Podcast. Um, today's show was brought to you by our good friends uh, at SeatGeek. Don't forget the $20 rebate is Garden Report as well as Audible. If you go to audible.com backslash try now, you get a free audiobook and a free 30 day trial. So I think our good friends at Audible for that. Um, another good week of baseball ahead within the division. Uh, hopefully we sweep the Blue Jays because they're terrible. Uh, for Jess Thomas, for Jess Thomas and his fake six and zero, and Lauren Campbell. I am Jared Scally. This has been Red Sox beat here on CLNS Radio. We'll be back next week. Enjoy the baseball. <laughs>